I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. Today we read from the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, what we know to be Mary's song, the Magnificat. I invite you to hear these holy words. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of God for the people of God. Please be seated. We again say a word of greeting this morning to all of you. We're grateful for your presence on this second Sunday in the season of Advent. We want to remind you that this afternoon at 5 o'clock here in the sanctuary, we have our Blue Christmas Healing and Wholeness service. We all recognize that this is a time of year when for many people there is a lot of pain that's on the surface. And so if it is a meaningful service of worship for you, which it is for many people, we invite you to be here this afternoon at 5 o'clock here in the sanctuary for a very special service of worship. We also want to remind you very quickly about being generous with Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church between now and the end of the year. We want to finish strong financially. We want to be able to go into the new year in a very healthy way in order to continue to, to do effective ministry. And we are going to start a new tradition this year. The moment we discover that we have reached our goal financially for 2021, we are going to chime the bells for a significant period of time. And if you are some distance away and unable to hear the bells chiming in person, we are going to stream it live across the world. We want everyone to be able to celebrate that we at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church have done the extraordinary. We have continued to be faithful and generous doing the work we have been called to do together. So we invite you to get ready to celebrate the ringing of the bells, the chiming of the bells together as the body of Christ. If you do your part and I do my part, we'll all be able to celebrate that together. Again, we're grateful you're here. Let's bow our heads. Oh Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. In scripture, God oftentimes chooses the most unlikely of people to accomplish the most extraordinary of things. In the Old Testament, there is a couple, Abraham and Sarah, who have been without a child their entire lives. In that culture and that day and time, they would have been severely stigmatized. But in their old age, far beyond childbearing years, God comes to Abraham and Sarah and says that you will be the parents of a great nation. How can that be? We don't have a child. But you will soon, says God. 
and God chooses an elderly couple well beyond childbearing years to be the parents of the great nation of Israel. We also see a man by the name of Moses whose life was spared when he was a tiny baby. He grew to be a man, and one day, in a fit of rage, he kills another man. He is a murderer. He flees when he is discovered. But God comes to this one who has killed another man and says, I want you to return to the very place from which you have fled, and I want you to set my people free. The Israelites have been in bondage far too long. And Moses does just what God would have him to do. The most unlikely of characters, a man who fled from the scene of the crime, a man who committed murder, is a man whom God uses anyway to accomplish the extraordinary and the freeing of the Israelite people. One day, Jesus goes to a well. He is thirsty. There is a woman there who is drawing water from the well, which was customary. That was a menial task left to the women. Why would Jesus be there? Because he wants to strike up a conversation with this woman. But she is not a typical woman. She is a Samaritan woman. And Jesus, of course, is a male Jew. Jews didn't speak to Samaritans. And it was inappropriate for a man to speak to a woman in public anyway. But Jesus, not concerned about the cultural mores of the day, but more concerned about the individual, strikes up a conversation with this Samaritan woman. In the eyes of any good Jew, she was a mixed breed of people, not to be acknowledged. And Jesus tells her all about herself. She's been married numerous times, and now she's living with someone who was not her husband. But Jesus says, I know you want water, but the water that I will provide for you never ends, for I am the living water. This Samaritan woman leaves there, the most unlikely of figures, and becomes the first evangelist there ever is in Scripture in the name of Jesus Christ. A Samaritan woman, one who was considered a mixed breed, one who had been used up by many is used by God to accomplish the most extraordinary of things. She is the first person outside of the Jewish community to tell anyone about Jesus Christ. The first evangelist, a woman, a Samaritan woman. And then we have the most unlikely of all characters in the New Testament, a young teenager a virgin by the name of Mary, no experience as a mother, having never been intimate with a man, one day she discovers that she herself is with child. She is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and she carries in her womb literally God in flesh. Can you imagine God choosing somebody with no experience very little experience living life, let alone having no experience rearing a child. And then Mary, filled with gratitude, visits her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth is a story in and of herself, for Elizabeth has lived her life without a child. She, too, is well beyond childbearing years.
Having been stigmatized her whole life, she too is now with child, and in her womb is John the Baptist. And when Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth, the child leaps in Elizabeth's womb. The excitement of knowing what is going on even affects a child in the womb of his mother. And then Mary recites what we call the Magnificat, which in Latin means magnifies. These are Mary's words that I read just a moment ago, having been filled with thanksgiving and gratitude that she is going to take on an unimaginable responsibility. She is grateful for the privilege, and she even recognizes that this child in her womb is going to change human order. Things are not going to be the way they had been. Things will be much different. It is, in a variety of ways, going to shake up all of humanity for all of time, this child in her womb. Mary says, the rich will go away empty and the hungry will be filled. Rulers will fall away and the humble will be exalted. This child is going to shake up the world. Things will never be the same. And the irony is that Mary herself would have been a peasant girl. Young, poor, and she has been given this incredible task. Just by carrying the child in her womb, the world has been turned upside down because she herself is a virgin. But that's the way God works. We believe in a mighty God, a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace as Isaiah describes. And this mighty God has the capacity to even impregnate a young girl with the responsibility of carrying in her womb Jesus Christ himself. But that's the way a mighty God always works. In Jesus' day and time, one Caesar, that is one king after another, declared himself to be God and expected everyone to bow down before him. And if one chose not to do so, she or he would either be imprisoned or put to death. They were that powerful, they were that mighty, but every single one of those Caesars, every single one of those kings without exception is dead. But we believe that the one whom Mary talks about who would shake up the world and cause the hungry to go away filled and the rich to walk away empty, that very one lives forever. This really is an extraordinary statement from Mary about her recognition of who is in her womb and what it is he will accomplish. This one who would be born into the world named Jesus, who would become the Christ, would shake things up and say, it is the humble that shall be exalted. And it is the last who are always going to ultimately be the first. Mary is so filled with gratitude and has such a perspective about what it is she has been given in the task before her that she cannot help but send out praises to God. 
She says that her spirit rejoices. She is overcome knowing that she is with child. Now, can you imagine that? That's not how anybody before or since has gone about having a child. Not being impregnated by the Holy Spirit, she's the only one in human history who has gone through that experience. But that shows you the power of a mighty God that God can do whatever God wants to do with whomever God chooses to do it with. In this case, a virgin named Mary. Overcome and overjoyed that she is going to have a child. In one of my churches many years ago, I had a young woman on staff. She and her husband tried for a number of years, every way imaginable, at great expense to have a child. Unable to do so repeatedly. It took a toll on her emotionally. She was on staff, so I saw her every day, trying in a variety of ways to console her when once again she would be told that she was without a child. Terribly difficult for her, as is the case for many people who are going through the same thing today. One day when she was in my office, I simply said to her, almost flippantly, well, you know, I can't wait for the day when you complain because your back hurts so bad and your ankles are so swollen because you were so pregnant, it's gonna happen one day. She said, it'll never happen, it'll never happen. I said, I can't wait to see it when it does. More than anything else, to be quite frank, I was just trying to console her. Maybe that wasn't even the right way to do it. Shortly after that, she and her husband were transferred to a state several states away. I did not see her for a couple of years. And then one day, now I have changed churches and am serving another congregation, there is a knock on my office door. And here is this young woman who had been on my staff who comes around the corner and she is very pregnant. And the first thing she says to me is, John, my back hurts so bad. Look at my ankles, how swollen they are. I said, are you allowed to fly this pregnant? She said, I waited till the doctor said it was the last day I could do it because I wanted you to see me in all my glory. They went on to have a couple of other children. I'm always thinking about her when I think about what Mary must have felt because this young woman on my staff was so overcome with joy that something she never imagined could happen actually happened for her. Now what makes this exceptional is that when we recognize what Mary is going through, she is abundantly clear that things are not gonna be the same, not only for her, but for all of humanity. And all of a sudden, now humanity is going to follow this child. And when humanity follows this child, humanity is driven by love and compassion and inclusiveness and concern for the rest of the world. It is a topsy-turvy kind of relationship because the way things people were accustomed to experiencing with the rich having the most are now gonna recognize that the rich are the ones who go away empty and it is the ones who are hungry who are gonna be filled. It is those who are in power who ruled with an iron fist who are gonna fall away and instead it is the humble who are gonna be exalted. And all followers of this child are to live that way, 
to take on that responsibility of trying to emulate the very life of the one whom we bow down before, who was carried in Mary's womb. Let me give you an example of what I mean. We call ourselves the body of Christ, the church, because we are. We are the literal hands and feet of Christ in the world right now. So if you think about it, a couple of weeks ago, I made a plea from this pulpit. We help Wakefield Elementary School with 200 children at Christmas, 200 families. We were short. I made a plea. By the end of the day, we had more than enough people willing to do their part. Now, who does that? The body of Christ. People who bow down before this one who was carried in Mary's womb. Because remember, those humble families who didn't have the resources to provide Christmas for their loved ones are the ones who are exalted. And we're the ones who exalted them by recognizing our responsibility to do for them because the one whom we stand before, bow down before, and honor is the very one who said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And if you wanna be exalted, you gotta learn how to be humble. And it's our responsibility to recognize in a humble way those around us who are living in humility for whatever reason and exalting them above all else. And we did that with Wakefield Elementary. This week, I walked over to our parking garage on the lower level. There were cars snaked all through the parking garage and out into the street. Hungry people who came to get food. What did Mary say? The hungry will be filled. And what I found to be so extraordinary was that these hungry people got food and the way they were treated by those in our congregation who provide for them is extraordinary. They are shown such respect and such love because that's what we do because that's who we follow. Those who needed seats for their small children, child seats were provided those so that their children could ride in safety and they were shown respect and love and compassion. And that's what it means to be the body of Christ. What Mary said was right. Those of us who follow this one who was in her womb live in such a way that those who think they're better than everybody else really just seem to fall away because those who are humble are exalted and lift everybody else up with them. That's what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. In Elizabeth, we discover a woman who was well beyond childbearing years, who would have in her womb the one who was born into the world to prepare humanity for the coming of Jesus Christ as the anointed one. In Mary, we have one who has no experience as a mother and very little experience in life because she is so young, carrying that very child whom John the Baptist would talk about. That's the kind of mighty God we believe in, the mighty God who can do the miraculous. And when God does the miraculous, lo and behold, the most unlikely of people can accomplish the most extraordinary of things. It happens regularly. That's what it means for us this time of year, to bow down before the one whom Mary glorifies and honors, recognizing that we do the same when we bow down before him in a variety of ways by serving 
other people. If you think about this child, how strange it is. He's the king of all kings, but he's born in a backwater village to a peasant couple. No pomp and circumstance, no big celebration, just the lowly shepherds, the lowliest of people invited to be there to celebrate his birth. But see, born into the world as one who is lowly reminds us that ultimately he is the one who is exalted. This one named Jesus, whom Mary carried in her womb, was at the age of 12 so smart, such an intellectual, so keenly aware of who God was in his life that he impresses the greatest teachers of the law. This one named Jesus would grow to be a man and would have conversation with folks you weren't supposed to have conversation with like Samaritans. And then not only that, would he teach other people what it meant to be a follower of his, he did. And the way he did it was by, for example, making heroes out of Samaritans. Jews were disgusted with Samaritans and Jesus made them heroes. He talks about a good Samaritan, a contradiction in terms for any good Jew. Not only that, Jesus had the audacity to eat in the home of Samaritans. He just turned the world upside down. What was expected was not what happened in this one called Savior of the world. And that's how we are to live. With the same understanding that we can shake up the world by doing what we have been called to do. Think about Jesus for a moment. He, for example, elevates women and makes them the example of what faith lived out looks like. Women of all people in that culture in that day and time. There is a Syrophoenician woman, an outsider who comes to Jesus and says, my daughter is very sick, please come and take care of her. And it appears as though Jesus is extraordinarily rude and inconsiderate toward her. But he's really just kind of testing her to see if she's gonna hang in there with him. And then lo and behold, Jesus is so impressed with this woman, he says to her, when you get home, your daughter is made well. She gets home and her daughter is well. There's a woman with a flow of blood for 12 years. She enters into a crowd. She is to be stoned for tainting the crowd with her uncleanness. But instead of Jesus admonishing her or Jesus criticizing her or Jesus handing her off to the authorities, he says to her, woman, your faith has made you well. She becomes an example of faith. There is a woman who is so poor, all she has is what is known as the widow's mite. And she simply places it in the offering plate. And when she does so, Jesus is so taken with her because she's given everything that he, she has. Jesus says, everybody else, you need to be just like her. Jesus oftentimes used women as an example of what faith looks like, lowly women. It's amazing to me what Jesus could do. He touched the untouchable. He cleansed those who were dirty. He gave his undivided attention to those who oftentimes would have otherwise been ignored. And then Jesus says of all things that if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you've got to come, become like a child. Remember, children in Jesus' day and time were considered a heavy burden. They really had no place until they were old enough to pitch in and help. 
They really were small people, literally and figuratively, in that world and that day and time. And Jesus says, you see those little ones? If you want to be up here, then you got to be like them. They're the ones that really teach us what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Jesus turned the world upside down. Mary was right. The rulers are going to fall and the, exalt, the ones who are exalted are the humble who will be lifted up. And it is the rich who are going to go away empty. And it is the poor and the hungry who are going to be filled. That's whom we bow down before. And that's what we celebrate this time of year. And that's what it means to be the body of Christ. We believe in a mighty God who can do whatever God chooses to do with whomever God chooses to do it with. A mighty God. A wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. All carried in Mary's womb. That is indeed reason to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen.